0: I V M Chapter 13 Dream Your Own Dream I suppose human nature compels me to recall in photographic detail and with nostalgia my early days at Grant Road and my entrepreneurial journey since. The route from there to here has been circuitous, enjoyable and fun, occasionally disappointing, sometimes maddening, and always challenging. I'd like to think that I've met those challenges with integrity and treated the people I have worked with over the years fairly and with respect. As I've mentioned in the previous chapters, you'll face setbacks along the way more often than you can imagine. For all leaders, hard work and uncertainty are given. Success comes from harnessing ambition, hunger, passion, and potential. The thrill comes from creating something from nothing, from confronting and surmounting the latest test every time you head into uncharted territory, from converting constraints into triggers for innovation and disruption. Your future as a pioneer or even a late entrant is one of infinite possibility and opportunity. A broad, blank canvas awaiting transformation into a masterpiece through your vision and can-do attitude. I chose to paint my own dream. I've never regretted it. Throughout this book, I've discussed foolish mistakes, setbacks, missed opportunities and lessons learned over the years to highlight the challenges any leader will face when jumping headlong into tomorrow's markets. I've examined scale, staying the course, spotting trucks and trends, failure, and the role luck plays, not much if you recall. But to this, I want to add three words that I know will guide me as I regroup and work for the next two decades or more. Focus. Choices. Empathy. Focus. First off. Focus isn't an aspect of entrepreneurship or leadership that you embrace as you evolve, or that just happens in the latter years of your business or work life. In the early stages, it's great and proper to try many things. Until you've experimented and gathered evidence, you can't really know what works and what doesn't. But focus defines and gives shape to your efforts. Keep your focus strong. And you'll attract great ideas, sharp minds, and reliable team members like iron fillings to a magnet. Focus occurs in the present. As far as I'm concerned, there is no such thing as hindsight. The moment passes. Who knows what the outcome might have been had you taken a different course? Worrying about the past only wastes time in the present. Time is your most precious commodity. But if I could, go back and change one thing in hindsight, it would be my focus. If I knew then what I know now, right? If I had understood the impact of focus those many years ago, if I had had a mentor who had told me from experience that single-minded attention to an idea, regardless of the outcome, provided some of the most intense learnings, if, if, if. Things might have worked out differently. I don't say any of this with even an ounce of regret since I'll use my understanding of focus in every future endeavor But to you I'll say Give the idea more than a passing thought to save yourself future reflection You'll find the time well spent Choices life is also about choices As your gut instinct matures with every setback, challenge, or mistake, you realize that building any strong enterprise requires making tough choices. As their leader or founder, your team looks to you for many things, primarily, though, they want you to make the right choices. Sometimes, such decisions and their consequences, even when you're right, will leave you lonely. Such is the nature of business. Day by day, We tend to forget to see life as a flow. But life is, in fact, a series of choices, each layering upon the next like the pages of a book. When we look back, we recognize how each of them, large and small, has changed us. In the same way that a butterfly's wings can cause a storm on the other side of the earth, the choice we make, even those decisions taken without considerable thought, can have a positive ripple impact. On the other hand, they can take one down a dead-end path. Alas, life doesn't have a rewind button. Take some time. Not every few years, but as an ongoing activity to stare out at the sea, the mountains, the star, whatever works for you. Consider how your choices can define and change your life for the better. At the end of the day, success and setbacks, credibility and reputation are built on the choices we make. Empathy. Empathy. And to clarify, I'm not talking about sympathy, feelings of pity or sorrow for someone is a proactive, deep understanding of how your team will handle a situation and the extent to which you are willing to help your team and your business succeed. Over the years, I've developed intense empathy for people and situations, the result of my having failed and rebound more times than I can count. Stay in business long enough, and little surprises you. You develop empathy by relating to the loneliness and desperation that are part and parcel of the entrepreneurial experience. You've not experienced rock bottom until, well, you've really experienced it. You can receive the best or best-intentioned advice from family, colleagues, consultants, and investors. At the end of the day, though, they simply can't know the commitment or the sacrifice needed just to take an honest shot at success. Developing empathy for team members, suppliers, customers, and competitors gives you a more mature and humane view of business and life. Empathy will strip you of any self-importance or the know-it-all attitude that you falsely have, check any ego likely to get in the way when making decisions involving others, and eliminate the arrogance that you can ill afford to have if you want to grow and thrive. At the risk of sounding overly dramatic, while the final call is yours, and you're the one who knows what's best for your team, the business, and the customer, it's only if you make your decisions with empathy that you're likely to succeed. Empathy is a life changer. As you become an industry creator and potentially destroyer, you'll cease measuring success in terms of the number of competitors you've taken down along the way. Instead, you'll come to understand that coexistence works best since we are a part of an integrated ecosystem. In some of the early chapters, I have discussed how you can handle crisis. For me, in such situations, the question that always comes to my mind is, what's my worst-case scenario? Once I have an answer, solutions slowly emerge what i haven't discussed threadbare though is the fact that admitting to the worst case scenario is not always simple easy it will never be but you can and should make it simple approach the situation by asking what choice do i have the other side of the coin is paralysis a fall from the cliff In my experience, leaders and founders often fail to realize that the anticipation of failure is infinitely more stressful than its reality, and that even the worst-case scenario is never as bad as it seems. Things can get tough, of course. Many have quit trying to salvage their business. Several have surrendered to their fears and insecurities. Some have dropped into an abyss and wallowed there. But find the slim glimmer of hope and you'll hold on to it and make it grow and glow One day at an internal training session for top executives. I randomly ducked into a meeting an hour or so before my lecture The sessions moderator was giving a demonstration on confronting fear to make his point he stood in front of a bed of burning coal and asked all those present to take off their shoes and socks Then he asked his audience to volunteer to take turns at walking on the hot coal. Every single person just stood there, arms crossed, looking at the moderator like he had two heads. What's wrong, guys? I asked the group. The man's telling us to walk on hot coal. Let's walk on hot coal. But this isn't fear factor, a guy at the back of the room said, clearly not amused. Why would we want to do this? I shrugged got down to my bare feet, and stepped onto the coals. The heat was intense, but bearable, and the moderator encouraged me to establish a rhythm, just keep walking. In a few seconds, it was over. The experiment wasn't dangerous, of course, but was meant to convey the idea of overcoming irrational fears. Walking into a room with a live coal bed on the floor can cause some cognitive dissonance especially if you're not expecting it. In addition to confronting fear, you also learn to put your trust in people and lead from the front. It's an age-old dilemma that has existed over eons to ensure that you have the best chance for survival. Your right brain wonders how you're going to get across that cold bed without burning your feet badly or embarrassing yourselves if polled on the issue many would choose burning over embarrassment. At the same time, your left brain flashes everything in your life that will make getting to the other side worthwhile. That glimmer of hope from your left brain, along with the right brain's logic of following a plan step by step until you've accomplished your goals, will be permanently etched in your memory once you've made it across safe and sound. By the time you get to the other side, you've learned more lessons than most. How to handle fear and uncertainty, compartmentalize decision-making, and focus on the immediate present to leverage future advantage. In short, you've learned lessons about life. You now know what it takes to succeed. Until the next fire pit appears. And trust me, there will be many. I'm not a great believer in plan B when it comes to tough decisions, crisis management, or worst-case scenarios. This may sound like a contradiction to my earlier statement that working on worst-case scenarios is a must. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's not good discipline to work on Plan B, which allows you to consider what-ifs and helps in the planning stage when you have the luxury of time and the option of keeping that Plan B tucked away. But having a backup plan only takes away from the singular, unshakable faith you need to have in your Plan A distracts you from the goal and gives you and your team the false impression of a safety net, which, by the way, is not there, should you fall. Plan A means setting your laser sight on your goal. Plan B implies keeping one eye on the exit. And that's exactly where you'll head when Plan A becomes too ambitious, too disruptive, or just too much. Remember Arjun with bow and arrow in hand. When his teacher asks him what he sees As he takes aim at the bird in the far-off tree Ark, he replies Focusing only on the eye of the bird Real conviction and focus, not plan B Allow you to stay the course and navigate do-or-die scenarios With every opening door You feel the renewed vigor that comes from being on the right path That path will never be straight or simple but it's the only one you've chosen to follow to its conclusion. In crisis mode, ask the hard questions that define you as an entrepreneur and a leader. When the chips are really down, one thing you don't want is the distraction of a plan B. A crisis demands uncompromising faith in yourself and a single-minded focus on executing decisions made under pressure, both of which require you to communicate in a direct, timely fashion Gain the confidence of team members and other stakeholders and move your company from calamity to success. At times like these, a plan B, either conceived by you or by your colleagues or external consultants who can never know every aspect of your organization, nor be around to then react with you in the saga of future twists and turns, weakens your resolve. This is my personal view based on experience. You'll be amazed at what your mind, body, and resolve can do when you believe and act as though you have only one way out of the tunnel. Let me emphasize this point with a hypothetical example, as I think it's an important one, and it's critical that you're comfortable with the level of resolve required to succeed when the chips are down. Say your company has experienced a serious crisis, and you've identified three options to resolve the situation one get rid of the whole business in a fire sale or run the risk of watching it disappear Two, without a buyer shutting the business down salvage what you can pay off some of your debt and call it a day hoping to start afresh or three fire many of your teammates cut costs and sell the best performing part of the business to give yourself more time now Figure out which is your plan A. At the time of a crisis, colleagues, investors, and others will advise you to have a plan for each of the three options. Pursue all three and determine your best outcome, they'll tell you, acting as if they know what they're talking about. But unless they've been in on all the meetings with you and made the tough decisions alongside, they don't have a clue. Even though their approach seems like a logical response to a difficult situation, reality as it appears from the outside rarely matches the leader's keen perception. Crisis management of this sort is a useful exercise to solve in business school or during a hypothetical boardroom discussion. At the end of the day, though, businesses aren't saved by academic decisions. They're saved by the people who know their organization inside out and make decisions based on the best available information. I would strongly suggest going with the option that makes the most sense to you, the one you feel you can pull off and whose outcome you can live with. Keep in mind, of course, that sometimes the best option is not the one you can live with, one of the many contradictions in business you need to come to terms with in your own mind. Dig in, dig deep. And if all else fails and you feel like shutting your business and squaring things off is what you can live with, then make that your choice. But it's your choice to make and yours alone. The harsh reality of entrepreneurship is that if you had designed a plan B on the advice of consultants or stakeholders, and if even that had failed despite your best planning, no one would be willing to share the blame with you. You're on your own, even after having abided by the advice of others. Just because it's plan B doesn't mean it'll work. In fact, without being battle-tested, few such plans will stand the test of time and history. And so, I dare say, overall, plan B is best left to strategy consultants and business schools as great learning, as an exercise to give the left brain, even as you work through your decision-making curves. I believe deeply in understanding history, which tells us that Patton, Montgomery, Napoleon and other great men of war routinely went into battle without a plan B. The logic guiding that strategy is airtight. Imagine if you can landing on the beach in Normandy, facing relentless gunfire and horrific casualties as those around you drop one after the other into the surf. Is your first thought, tell me again, what's my plan B? Hardly. Instead, you think, I've got to keep a clear head, meet the challenge, and get over the hurdles that arise before me. I'm here to do my part to win the war. That's real life in times of crisis. Be honest with yourself at all times. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, that's not as easy as you might think. Chances are you're fooling yourself a majority of the time When I evangelize about being honest with yourself at all times I'm not talking about integrity A given if you want to succeed But about squaring your beliefs with your reality As entrepreneurs and leaders It's in our DNA to be positive If not overly optimistic Even in the most dire circumstances Our nature is to absorb good news And push the bad under the carpet but a fine line separates the positive and the real. We cross that line when we ignore the facts set in front of us, convinced that focus, hard work, and passion are enough to ensure any desired outcome. They never are. Worse still, we're all pretty adept at justifying our failures and latching onto any reason under the sun to rationalize why the business isn't doing as well as it could. The environment, monetary policy, monsoons, Iraq, a slowdown in consumption, and, 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 none of it is my fault. Chances are, though, not one of those excuses really affects your business at scale. Smart leaders, brutally honest about the challenges they face, have already factored all of these contingencies into their plans and are stronger and better for their preparation and foresight. The rest shoulder the world's woes as if they were carrying them single-handedly up misery's Mount Everest. That's a major factor separating. That's a major factor separating the successful from the also-rans. As outsiders with little knowledge of the real facts, why do you think Warren Buffett has managed to stay so far ahead of the pack for such a long time? I'll hazard a guess that outside of the four virtues crucial to this successful entrepreneur, focus a conservative growth mindset, a passion for deep learning, and the highest level of curiosity, Buffett benefits from tight-knit teams that can be brutally honest with one another at all times. As he said in public, you only have to do a very few things right in your life so long as you don't do too many things wrong. There are many other examples all over the world and in India of such entrepreneurs who stand out as true wealth creators They all benefit from one simple rule. Be honest with yourself at all times. So let me step back and end with my vision for the future of India. I'm deeply proud of our country and its true potential. I started this book by telling you how much I believe in the spirit and resilience of this great nation. More and more though, I worry that we aren't stacking up on the global stage, at least not yet. Barring some rare exceptions we have a long way to go before we realize our full greatness India faces exceptional challenges more than half the population lives in the rural hinterland detached from the rest of the country while change can be helmed by a few hundred or a few million a young urbane talented generation that displays an open honest anticipation for the future The entire population needs to be swept by new ways of thinking and acting by fresh goals for the future This can only happen if the other half of India in distant rural areas is made to feel a part of the transformation No government can be responsible for such change people bring about change You bring the change and impact the lives of others that's why I love our movie Rang De Basanti. Remember the scene at the end where when the boys are trapped at the All India radio station and Karan speaks live on air to the entire nation. No nation is perfect. We have to make it perfect. Seven decades ago, within a lifetime of many of our parents and grandparents, around the time we gained our own independence, Germany and Japan lay in ruins, shamed and defeated for the world to see. These countries overcame their setbacks, not because of the words of a few leaders, but on account of the entire populace thinking and acting in unison and pursuing a common goal. Each ordinary citizen kept his head down and did his part to make his nation great again. This is the example we need to follow. No longer can we fool ourselves into thinking that opportunity, a solid home market and good governance will elevate us in the world pecking order. No longer can we afford to think, I simply can't make a difference. Let's go with the flow and see what happens. No longer can we sit on our asses; our only contribution being to complain and feel helpless. No longer can we wait for others to make the first move. An unprecedented rising will require sacrifice, ambition, and accountability. All of us, in our own professions, as entrepreneurs, doctors, agriculturists, traders, teachers, public servants, researchers, or scientists, need to commit to a better future, aware that if we miss our chance now, we miss it forever. As a country with a population of 1.3 billion, India barely has a presence on the world stage in any sport. When I mention that fact in conversation, a common response is a shrug, and the comment, why focus on sports? What about so many innovators and leaders of Indian origin that have made an impact globally in the sciences and technology and head the world's most respected companies? Thank you for making my point for me, I say. Sure, we've always had talent, but let's be honest. Those who excel on the global stage and in Fortune 500 companies, and more power to them, have done so in their individual capacities, riding on their own merit. These successes may reflect well on India, but do little to help the vast numbers of Indians reach their potential and bring about the entrepreneurial revolution we've envisioned for decades. I'm willing to wager one rupee my maximum bet, and not because I think I will lose, that the day India wins big at the Olympics, and I mean 20-plus goals, and becomes a global player in sports, we will already have become an economic superpower. Gauging a nation's impact on the world stage by its sporting success might sound like an old metric, but the connection is undeniable. Gauging a nation's impact on the world stage by its sporting success might sound like an odd metric, but the connection is undeniable. After all, most success springs from feeling joyous and confident, dare I say unstoppable and believing one can accomplish almost anything and sporting victories contribute to such euphoria. Let's learn to create products and services that deliver for life, not repair for life. For this, we need to unleash and reach our creative potential. While the world may be running out of natural resources, creativity remains a renewable commodity, available in abundance, no need to ration it. Nor is creativity attached as something exclusively to the arts. Rather, creativity exists in every field and leads to inventions, works of imagination, creations of limitless possibility. Creativity spans the realms of dreams and the reality of the marketplace. The day we reach our creative potential, we will be unstoppable. If we fail to reach our potential, though, no one needs stop us. We aren't going anywhere. As a nation, we need to figure this out over the next decade. Instead of merely talking the talk, each of us needs to contribute in full measure. Walk the walk. Don't wait a day more to begin. No one will sound the bugle for the charge up the hill. Bring your own bugle or drum or sitar and running shoes, set your sights on the peak and settle for nothing less. Bring your ideas and your passion and your vision and prove to the world that you can make a difference. We have one more chance. The odds are stacked against us. But we have what it takes to turn this fantastic nation around. And we'll do it with the youngest, most energetic, most passionate people in the world with optimism and hope. It's all possible. Just dream your own dream. And when you do it, dream with your eyes open.